Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Positive Thinking and the Meaning of Life podcast. My name is Marcus Freestone and this week's episode is Jordan Peterson's Bible Lectures, How They Have Changed My Mind. Before we get into the podcast, just a, a brief administrative apology and catch-up. For those regular listeners, I'm aware that the podcast has been unavailable for the last couple of weeks to cut a very long, tedious and confusing story short. After eight years, my web host suddenly uh, deleted all my audio files. And when I got onto tech support, they said, oh, you're not allowed to host and distribute audio files which is what I've been doing for eight years. So the podcast vanished off iTunes and Stitcher and everything and just was only available on YouTube. So I've sorted that out. By the time you hear this episode, all the previous episodes will be once again available on iTunes and Stitcher and on the website and everything. And I found a new web host and you won't notice any difference. It'll all still be available. It's just they're kept on a different server. It's annoying anyway i'm aware of the problem sorry if you've been experiencing that they just deleted the files without telling me um there's nothing i could do about it so that should all be sorted and breathe okay so uh i discovered jordan peterson about three years ago when i was looking for videos on YouTube about depression and I came across a Canadian program called The View which I'd never heard of and Jordan Peterson was on there with his daughter and they were both talking about their own experience of depression and I I saw that this guy was a psychologist and a psychotherapist and I thought hmm he's got some interesting ideas and as you know with YouTube you watch one video and it gives you loads of others and one of the other ones that it gave me were Peterson's lectures on existentialism. And as you know, if you've heard the podcast before or read any of my books, that existentialism is a particular favourite of mine. And I've talked about it a lot in previous episodes. And I found it very useful in my own life. And so I thought, oh, this looks interesting. And I discovered that he's been videoing his lectures for about 20 years. And there's he's got about 150 online now, I think. And so I watched several of his lectures on existentialism and I thought, wow, this is, you know, this guy's a real brainiac. This is is an interesting new guy. I say new guy, new to me. And so I watched all uh, I watched all that I could find of him. I watched all his, his academic work, his lectures and. And I found some interviews with him. And then about a year ago, obviously, some of you will know if you know him, he got caught up in this controversy about personal pronouns and all that, which I don't want to get into because it's particularly tedious and annoying. But um, I I saw him on Joe Rogan's podcast and he he talked about this series of Bible lectures. And I thought, hmm, that sounds interesting, not least because it's hugely unusual to find somebody who is a scientist and a rationalist who is also religious. I can, in fact, I can't think of anybody else that I'm aware of who has the particular, you know, combination of a 
of thought processes and approaches to life that Jordan Peterson does. So I started watching these Bible lectures and I thought, wow, this is this is amazing. And they've had such a profound effect on me. I thought I've got to do an episode of the podcast about this. And as I was writing ideas for this episode, I realized it's going to be more than one episode. There's no way I can summarize 12, two and a half hour lectures uh, (laughs) in half an hour. So I'm going to do a couple of episodes on this. Um, So that's how I discovered Jordan Peterson and his work. So uh, let's crack on with with looking at uh, the first few episodes of his Bible series and my reaction to them and just how how blown away I was by the ideas in them. So he begins by making the point that the Bible is not scientific because science simply didn't exist at the time. The Old Testament was more than likely based on an oral tradition of stories and myths going back thousands of years, even before they were written down. Therefore, they predated even the Aristotelian nascent origins of science. And for those who don't know, what we now call physics was originally called natural philosophy. And this was a concept that was invented by by the ancient Greek philosophers, Aristotle and Socrates primarily. And they, although they had no, obviously they had none of the scientific technology that we have today, they nevertheless, this was the beginnings of an att- a coherent strategic attempt at rational logical thought. And in fact, Aristotle himself came up with with a whole system of logic, which is still is still in use today and is still sound, but that's another thing. We won't go into all that now. But uh, they, uh, whilst they got a lot of things wrong, they got a lot of things right. They, uh, through this kind of armchair business of natural philosophy and just examining the world with their own senses, they they came upon the idea of the atomic structure, which is, is more or less as we know it today. And um, I can't remember who it was, but there was one ancient Greek philosopher who one day was wandering around and he saw a fossil of a fish that was in a cliff about 100 feet up. And he thought, how the hell did that get there? And he he reasoned it out. He correctly theorized that at some point in the distant past, the sea levels were much higher. And that, of course, is the correct answer. That's how fish fossils end up above sea level, because seas used to be much higher. So they... they, Although it's not science as we would know it today, this was the very beginnings of an attempt at this rational, logical, scientific thought. But of course, the stories, certainly the stories in the Old Testament, predate by thousands of years even this beginning of science. So people who came up with these biblical stories in the Old Testament certainly they were not even beginning to think in a scientific, rational manner because that at the time simply didn't exist. 
So people like me who have always said, oh, the Bible's nonsense, it's, it's unscientific, that's missing the point. Of course it's unscientific because science didn't exist. They weren't trying to be scientific. They were trying to do other things. And until I saw these lectures by Peterson, I didn't appreciate what they were trying to do. But I do now, which is what we're going to talk about in this episode. So although Jordan Peterson has described himself as deeply religious, he says that many biblical stories are so fantastical that it is impossible to take them literally. And as a lifelong atheist, that has always been my main problem with religion, that some people take myths and religious stories literally. As someone who's written seven novels, it's obvious to me that these biblical stories are allegorical and metaphorical and not literal. But even accepting that, I've always thought that the Bible had nothing to offer today because the whole idea of myths and allegories has always irritated me deeply. I've always been very rationally and scientifically minded, even when I was five years old. And I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before or if I've written about it in the book, but when I was four years old, my first day of infant school, we, and I had no religious upbringing at all. It just, I wasn't brought up in a, in a, in an atheistic house or anything. It's just religion just wasn't mentioned. So I suppose it was secular in the sort of by default, in the true meaning of the word meaning just an absence of religion, not any kind of anti-religious or even agnostic stance. But when I was four, first day of infant school, we were, we were chanting the Lord's Prayer, and I use the word chanting advisedly, and I kind of knew the words, but I, I didn't really have a concept of what religion was. And I thought that this was just something that was that was for little kids and I equated these biblical stories and this Lord's Prayer and this God thing with Father Christmas and the Tooth Fairy. I thought, oh, it's just one of those things they tell kids to make you behave and when you get older they'll tell you, oh yeah, no, we made that up like Father Christmas. And when I got older, I I was I think I was about nine or ten and I realised, hang on, some adults actually take this seriously. And I, I was completely flabbergasted. Um, but that's my, that was my sort of introduction to the Bible. I thought it was, I thought the Bible was a children's book. And I'm, I'm not being kind of dismissive or sarcastic or anything. That, that's what I thought when I was, when I was uh, a little kid. One of the reasons I'm doing this episode is that Peterson has forced me to accept that the idea of God itself is equally metaphorical and was not intended 
by the people who originally came up with these stories many thousands of years ago to be a guy with a beard on a cloud, which is obviously nonsensical. In fact, it was well over a thousand years after the Old Testament that artists began to portray God in this fashion. And as I was writing this, I wondered whether it's a coincidence that these visual portrayals of God are staggeringly similar to the visual portrayals of the ancient Greek philosophers. You know the way that, um, you know, before photography, if you look at if you look at a portrait of, you know, Charles I or whoever and a portrait of Isaac Newton, they kind of look the same. You know, every, portraits of everyone look the same as a kind of standard idealistic representation. And I think that was that's what's going on with early representations of God and, 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 and with philosophers. It's an ideal rather than what the person actually looked like. And... I'm happy to see God as a metaphor for the creation of order out of chaos, the evolution of the universe and human life. It is the anthropomorphism of it all that persuades me that religion is nonsense. The idea that God is an entity that you can communicate with, who will listen to you and grant your wishes, who is in some sense a kind, uh, a kind of superman, to me, this is just beyond absurd. However, where I'm 100% on board with Peterson and his lectures is when in the first one, he talks about Nietzsche. And one of the things that initially attracted to me to Peterson's ideas was, as I said, his existential uh, lectures that I watched on YouTube. And I've always been particularly fascinated with Nietzsche, a much misunderstood philosopher. And... Nietzsche was himself deeply religious as a child. I think his father was a minister. But uh, Nietzsche's, much of Nietzsche's work, certainly his later work, came in the immediate aftermath of Darwin's publishing of The Origin of Species in 1859. And Nietzsche knew, or uh, Peterson says, that Nietzsche predicted accurately what would happen in the 20th century when religion as the the main idea that almost everyone subscribed to or at least acknowledged if they didn't practice it that when that was swept away that it would be dangerous and it would lead to the sort of totalitarianism that you see in Stalin and Hitler and Nietzsche embarked upon this project he called the reevaluation of all values and he as a christian and a philosopher nietzsche want nietzsche wanted to come up with a new system of morality that everyone could subscribe to in the face of what he termed the death of god and it was i believe his failure to do this and his worries about what was going to happen in the 20th century that drove him insane and, and led to his, his early death. And I can't remember who it was, but somebody at some time in the 20th century said, the problem isn't that when people believe in religion, they believe in nothing. 
the problem is when they don't believe in religion, they'll believe in anything. And if you look now at the uh, the propagation of conspiracy theories and cults and Scientology and all that, yeah, much as, as, as you know, when I was a young, angry teenage atheist, I thought, oh, yeah, the world would be much better if you got rid of religion. But through through these lectures and through listening to Peterson, I've realized that, well, no, the, the, you know, many parts of the West, the Western world is now mostly without religion and it's not better. It's actually worse. And I say that as an atheist, um, whilst I don't believe in religion, I don't think that it's decline in the Western world and particularly in Britain where I live I don't think it's been a good thing. I really don't. If you look at all, and I think all these conspiracy theories and cults and UFOs and ghosts and all this, and the kind of, the, the sort of the Deepak Chopra, um, you know, kind of pseudo-scientific bullshit where he sort of takes bits of quantum theory and makes up words and pretends it's science when it isn't. All this is kind of, is all this nonsense and a lot of it is very harmful that's what sprung up in in the wake of the vacuum that the decline of religion in the west has has led to and it's all even as an atheist i think it's all pretty negative growing up in the age of science it was all too easy for me to be cynical and dismiss the bible and all myths and legends as outdated and worthless but these lectures of Jordan Peterson's have persuaded me of two things. One, in a pre-science age, this was the best available method of trying to figure out how human beings should live and conduct themselves and find meaning in their existence. And two, that even in the 21st century, if we can put aside our cynicism and prejudice, that these stories can still provide useful and instructive lessons for our moral and psychological lives. He has used his scientific rational mind to make connections that I never would have, and I'm immensely grateful to him for this. I'm never going to be a Christian or religious in any sense, but I've wasted so much of my life being cynical and angry about the Bible and religion that this new approach has taken a great weight off my shoulders. It also occurs to me, now that I think about this subject, that my previous views were illogical and erroneous. I'm a huge fan of the novels of Dostoevsky, Camus and Orwell. I've always believed that they illuminate in a very instructive manner the complexity and chaos of the human condition and do it far better than any non-fiction book on philosophy or psychology ever could. With the exception of Camus' absolutely superb and very readable The Myth of Sisyphus, I find all the existential non-fiction fairly impenetrable and obscure and far less useful than the fiction, and I've thought this for 20-odd years. Given all this, why have I been so opposed to seeing the Bible as a useful illuminative selection of stories? I think it's the insipid, dogmatic way it was taught to me in school, as well as the loud, abrasive voices of the biblical fundamentalists, the young earth creationists, at all. 
I also have great contempt for many of the human institutions that have arisen out of religion. In my view, these institutions often have very little to do with the original texts. Indeed, I would go further and say that they commit the same mistake that I have. They project ideas from thousands of years ago onto modern society and interpret them incorrectly. For example, I'm pretty sure there is nothing in the Bible about abortion. That concept simply didn't exist until about 200 years ago. And yet in America and the Catholic Church, people are obsessed with the idea of abortion being a crime against God. People claim to know what God thinks about nuclear weapons or the internet or heavy metal lyrics, when this is clearly just beyond ridiculous. As young children, we are told about God as if it is some kind of king or father figure, a superior type of human being, a superman, as I said earlier. And of course, it says in Genesis, and God saw that it was good. And there are many references to God that make him out to be some kind of physical entity, like a man, because that's the only kind of physical entity we can imagine. The idea of a physical creature creating the universe is nonsensical. Who created the creature stroke God in the first place? The only answer to that is a version of the infinite turtles explanation, which of course is no explanation at all. Because I've always rejected this anthropomorphic notion, I've also rejected the entire Bible and all religious texts and traditions. While being perfectly happy to make use of all kinds of philosophy and esoteric thinking that is equally unscientific. I've been unable to appreciate the philosophical and psychological wisdom in the Bible because I haven't been able to overcome my initial negative exposure to it, just as I can't stand Shakespeare because I was forced to read plays in school and saw awful productions of them. Watching Peterson's Bible lectures has made me realise something that should be very obvious. The people who originated these stories and the people who wrote the Old Testament had no concept of organised religion in the sense that it exists today. There are temples mentioned in the Bible, of course, and human beings have been worshipping in one sense or another for tens of thousands of years since we began sacrificing to the sun gods for a good harvest. However, the establishment of geographically widespread religious organisations has only emerged in the last thousand years or so. And just as we cannot know today what the biblical authors had in mind at the time, neither did the originators of organised religion. We know from modern studies in psychology and neuroscience that everyone constructs their own reality to a very large degree. I'm not talking about the mystical pseudoscience of Deepak Chopra and his ilk, rather about the miasma of our individual subjective biases and cognitive frameworks that colour and shape everything we think and do throughout their lives.
I'm sure that everyone listening to this has had an argument where the other person has twisted your words and put a completely opposite interpretation on what you said. You only have to take a cursory look at the plethora of pathetic, childish, semantic arguments on social media where people willfully misinterpret the words of others. We know from our current knowledge of the brain that cognitive bias is a huge factor in all our thought and behaviour, i.e. we see what we want to see or what we expect to see, especially when it comes to other people. We are also all very good at ignoring evidence which contradicts our cognitive biases. This can be clearly seen in the modern cult of conspiracy theories. So. With a book as long and complex as the Bible, you can find a justification for just about anything that your cognitive biases already believe. If you are homophobic, misogynist, racist, homicidal, nihilistic, left-wing, right-wing, or a million other things, you can find a passage in the Bible that can be interpreted in such a way that it supports your pre-existing biases. And this is undoubtedly what everyone who set up all the various churches did. They were in no way following God's instructions, however you choose to interpret the idea of God. They were following their own pre-existing biases and using the Bible as a hook on which to hang them. And if you look at all the things, good and bad, done in the name of religion over the centuries and the millennia, it bears out that supposition okay so i'm going to do another episode on this next week because i've only watched the first half of this lecture series i'm watching each one two or three times because there's just so much in each one and now that i've sorted out all the admin nightmare of getting the podcast host sorted uh i'll crack on and get this episode up the next episode up in the next few days once I've watched the next few episodes of Peterson's Bible series. So there we are. That's um, <laughs> um, I feel that, in fact, what I've done is exactly what Peterson himself has done. That At the end of this episode, I have to apologize and say, well, I set out with some grand ideals to talk about his series of Bible lectures and I haven't got very far with them. I've really only scratched the surface, just as he only scratches the surface of the Bible in each of his two-hour talks. So um, if you haven't seen his Bible lectures, I highly recommend them, whether you are a Christian, a Muslim, a Buddhist, an atheist, an agnostic, or whatever. They are absolutely fascinating. He spends most of the time talking about the psychology and the philosophy behind the stories rather than the actual biblical stories themselves. It's by no means dull. It's absolutely fascinating and riveting. And I think he has a unique mind and certainly a unique take on this subject. So I thoroughly recommend them. I will, I will uh, put links to them or I will embed the YouTube videos in uh uh, on the quotes page of my site that accompanies this podcast. So uh, go there, marcusfreestone.com. And uh, as ever, 
if you have any any comments about this, any questions, you can contact me via the Facebook page, Positive Thinking and the Meaning of Life, or by email, marcus.freestone at yahoo.com. marcusfreestone.com is the website. Go there. That's where the Positive Thinking and the Meaning of Life podcast is, and all my books and music and my other podcasts, my comedy show, the Midnight Insomnia podcast, it's all there, and please contact me particularly urgently if you have any problem downloading any of the other episodes or you see anything wrong with my website because I, I don't check it every day. So um hope you've enjoyed this, and uh, hopefully we can get stuck into more of it next week. And um, uh, there you go. That's the end of this episode. And now uh, commence the closing music.